Um, as uh, Brent clearly stated, I am not Scott Berglund. Um, I am Bryce Mack, and I am the lead elder here at Rock Bible Church. Um, and so I get an opportunity to, uh, to share with you um, today, and I'm really, really excited to, to, to do so. Now, it, for those of you who had come to the family meeting, you'll remember that Scott had said uh, Bryce is, as lead elder, his, I'm gonna drop that, his, his responsibility is to field complaints, concerns, issues you may have with the staff or things that happen behind the, the podium. With one caveat, if you don't like today, don't talk to me. <laughs> you got to talk to Scott. So, uh, yeah, that's, so this is, this is actually the first time I've gotten a chance to share behind the podium with everyone uh, when Scott wasn't in Mexico. And the last couple times when he was in Mexico with Brent, uh, I did know that they were, I was on camera so they could see me. Now, I've been informed by Scott that he's going to watch today to make sure I don't completely blow up the RBC podium. So, hi, Scott. Uh, that's only embarrassing if it turns out that he wasn't actually watching and I called, called him out. So, um, when the last time I was here uh, I, and I got a chance to stand behind this podium, I, I, I shared uh, a message on acceptance and action, and specifically focusing on John 4 and the woman at the well and her going through acceptance of being accepted by a man at the well, like being in acceptance and accepting the man she was talking to was actually Jesus Christ. And her taking action from that moment and going immediately to her town and pulling the members of her town to hear Christ start his ministry and start preaching. Um, one, one thing I did poorly the first time is I, forget, I kept mentioning her and I said she has a name. I know her name now. Uh, Potine, Fotine is spelled P-H, P-H. I don't know how it's actually pronounced, but it means um, enlightened. Uh, and, and so there's a, it's a, that's a really cool name. Uh, the, the other thing that's very interesting about her specifically, because I geek out on this sort of stuff, um, she, as a, a Greek Orthodox friend of mine, talk, we we're talking, and he said, you know, we think that she actually was the very first missionary ever. Um, even before the disciples were out doing their preaching and pulling people in to see Christ, she was doing it. And then the sad part about that, I think we know that she may actually have been the first martyr. So it's an amazing woman, great story about her experience of her experience with acceptance and taking that acceptance of Christ and knowing she's talking to God and then taking action. Um, that being said, I'm telling you that whole story to gain a little, gain a little bit of uh, podium street cred. So you believe that I know what I'm doing as we kind of go through this. So again, if, if it turns out you didn't like John 4 and you did not like my preaching on the woman at the well, I refer back to what I said earlier. Take that up with Scott. Don't take that up with me. Um, so coming into today, Scott and I talked about what could I talk about um, with you guys. Uh, he said, well, you've got options. You can do a, I'll call it a period piece, pick another chapter of the Bible like I did the last time with John 4 and to have a lesson about acceptance or lessons about action, something along those lines. I thought, you know, I did that. Um, I've done the whole, you know, what's you know, my acceptance of my physical ailments and some of the actions that we've taken in my life. Why don't I just stay in, 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 in step with you? You just did 1 Samuel chapter 9. Why don't I do 1 Samuel chapter 10? Yeah, <laughs> you laugh. Um, there's a story there. So Scott, in his wisdom, turned to me and said, you know, that would be a great idea, Bryce. Why don't you read 1 Samuel chapter 10 and tell me if you want to do 1 Samuel chapter 10? So I read 1 Samuel chapter 10, and I realized I did not go to seminary. I'm not a theologian, and so therefore I'm, I'm not touching it. Scott is going to be doing 1 Samuel chapter 10 when he comes back. 
because there's way too many things that happens in 1 Samuel chapter 10. I will make mention of it as I go through my sections. Rather than going through a new chapter, 1 Samuel chapter 10, I thought, why don't we look back? We've been in Samuel for a while. There's three, in, in my, my layman, non-theologian looking at this, uh, I said there's three key players that are going to be on the stage as we get into chapter 10. Player number one, Samuel, obviously. Player number two, the people of Israel. They've been screaming out for a king. Player number three, Saul, the actual guy that gets anointed. So let's take a look at how they come to our to 1 Samuel uh, chapter 10. And we'll start with, I'm going to flip my page. Uh, we'll start with Samuel. Um, so if we can get the Bible reading of Samuel up there, that'd be great. And I chose three different, different excerpts from 1 Samuel to, to kind of highlight who these three key players are on this stage. And before I, actually, before I get into the read, just so we're, we're clear, I do have a gigantic Bible. It's sitting right there. Um, but I wrote it down in here because it's too heavy to bring up here and takes up too much room. Um, okay, let's go. Let's, let's dive into here. 1 Samuel chapter 3, verses 6 through 12. And the Lord called again Samuel. And Samuel arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But he said, I did not call my, I did not call my son. Lie down again. Now Samuel did not know yet, did, did not yet know the, the, war, the Lord. And the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. And the Lord called Samuel again the third time. And he, he arose and went to, to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. Then Eli perceived that the Lord was calling the boy. Therefore Eli said to Samuel, Go lie down. And, he call, and if he calls again, calls you again, say, Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So Samuel went to lie down in his place. And the Lord came and stood calling, calling as, as the other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, Speak, for your servant hears. Then the Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I am about to do a thing in Israel, at which the two ears of everyone who hears will tingle. On that day, I will fulfill against Eli all that I have spoken concerning his house from the beginning to the end. So our first player on the stage, first of three, as we get to, as we get to 10, is Samuel. And Samuel is called. And Samuel is, at this point in time, doesn't understand that that's the word of the Lord, but he, he accepts ultimately through this that it is, the, it is God calling him. And he's calling him to take action. He's calling him to fulfill words that he has said in the past. And we're going to see that play out as we go from Samuel 3 all the way to Samuel 10, because Samuel doesn't go off the scene. He just is always a player in there. But what's really interesting to me in kind of researching this a bit, the Lord, there's several times through the Old Testament as we look back where the Lord has audibly spoken to people that he's calling to take action. We look at, we see that done in at crucial times in history. First is Abraham in Genesis 22. We see it again with Jacob in Genesis 46. And of course, who can forget the burning bush and Moses in Exodus 3. So when the, God, when the Lord God reaches out to these men and makes a communication, he's asking for them to accept that he's talking to them, but he's asking them to accept that he's talking to them because he wants them to take action and to go become leaders of men, leaders of his men, leaders of his people of Israel. So it's 
It's a, and it's, it's on the individual to accept that it is God calling you, as Samuel did, and it's on the individual to take action and go do things. And we know as we kind of continue through Samuel, out of Samuel 3, but through the other chapters of Samuel, Samuel's called to be a leader through this process, to lead the people of Israel through the good times and through the bad, as Scott has gone through with us. We see, uh, in, as we go through Samuel in chapter 5, they lose to the Philistines, and heaven forbid, they lost the Ark. They lost the Ark of the Covenant. So, I mean, that's an that's a awful time. They need, they need spiritual guidance through this. They need their hands held through this. And then we see as it proceeds forward, as we get to chapter 6, they get the ark back. So it's good times. So Samuel's there through them. He's a leader of, of them. He may, may not be completely always on the scene, but he's there. He is their spiritual leader. And he is helping them through the good times and through the bad. Let me make one more note here. Uh, okay. Uh, okay. And in addition to that, we know as we go through Samuel, I'm going to jump ahead, and we get into Samuel 7, as that lead, in that leader role, Samuel is called to judge. He has to judge his people. And when we look in Samuel 7, this isn't on here, but I did write it down here, Samuel 7, and Samuel said to all the house of Israel, if you are returning to the Lord with all your heart, then put away the foreign gods and the uh, Ashtoth, I, I apologize, I'm not a theologian, I'm not a sell that word, um, and not Scott, um, from among you, and direct your heart toward uh, to God, and, and serve him only, and he will deliver you out of the hands of the Philistines. So we, we kind of, in Samuel 3, Samuel gets called. Samuel accepts the calling. The calling is for Samuel to take action, to be a leader. Samuel is a leader, a spiritual leader and judge, a physical leader for the people of Israel. We're going to see more of that physical leadership and the identification of Samuel as being a representation of God in front of his people as we get to the next, my next excerpt uh, where Samuel is clearly called to be in charge of the people of Israel. But this, the important part is, is the calling. And Samuel got the calling, accepts the calling, takes the charge, and is going out. He's going to be a judge. He's going to be a leader, spiritual and physical, for the people of Israel. So our first player on the scene, Samuel. God talks to him. What do you do when God talks to you? What do we do when God talks to us? Right. We need to take. We need to listen when he speaks, understand that it's God calling us, Take and then take the opportunity to take that action, reach out, communicate back to God. What do you need me to do? How can I serve you? How can I, how can I be a witness for you? Uh, out in the community. Um, and I, 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 I'm guilty, I've got a couple of examples of this, but I'm guilty of hearing and not doing. And, and, and sometimes I, I know I've had friends of mine that have heard and done when, when actually sometimes it's best to hear, communicate back with God, and then take that action. So let's talk about, let's look at the second player on the stage here. So we're going to go to the next, ex, next ex, excerpt, which is 1 Samuel 8. Four through nine, and this is the people of Israel, and this is where it kind of gets for me, kind of gets fun. Uh, not that Samuel wasn't fun, but Israel's a lot more fun because they're fun, they're easier to make fun of. Um, then, then the elders of Israel gathered together, and came to Samuel at Ramah, and said to him, "Behold, you are old. That's, that's not kind. Uh, you are old, and your sons do not walk in your ways. Now appoint us a king to judge us." like all the other nations. But the, but, but the things displeased Samuel uh, when they said, give us a king to judge us. And Samuel prayed to the Lord. And the Lord said to Samuel, 
obey the voice of the people in all that they ha- in all that they say to you for they have not rejected you but they have rejected me from being king over them according to all the deeds that 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 they have done from the day I brought them out of out up out of Egypt even to this day forsaking me serving other gods so they are also doing to you now then obey their voice only you shall solemnly warn them and show them the ways of the king who shall reign over them. I really like when Scott covered this. I like that reign over him. I'm going to tease that out a little more, a little more in this uh, section because I, really, I, do, I do enjoy uh, Israel, being, Israel being Israel. They're, 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 easy, they're, they're easy targets. Um, so what, let's talk about... Uh, so some of what's going on here. So we know that Israel, through the course of Samuel, has been asking for God to give them a king. And now we see Samuel's getting old, and the elders are coming to Samuel and saying, listen, only you, who have been leader for us for so long, can, can anoint us a king. Samuel, it's going to be your job to provide for us a king. And a couple of the other things that are interesting here. Uh, we, 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 we see uh, the, the phraseology I like so much is Samuel is struggling with the fact that Israel is rejecting God and rejecting the message, and he's personalizing it and saying, though, they're rejecting me as your messenger, Lord, and God's saying to him, they're not rejecting you, Samuel. They're rejecting me. That, that phraseology appears again, obviously, in the New Testament when Christ talks to the disciples and the same phraseology comes out. They're not rejecting you. They're rejecting me. So in, in, oftentimes as... Uh, an individual who wants to go out and share the message of God or share my beliefs with others, and I get rejection, I feel that I'm the one that's being rejected, and it's actually not me that's being rejected. I can't stop doing representation of God because I'm not getting fulfillment of somebody instantly going, oh, you're a, a God's greatest because you brought this message to me. No, it's, I'm, not, I'm, not the, I'm just a, a vessel. I'm like Samuel. We're all like Samuel. Yeah, so God's not rejecting, people aren't rejecting us, they're rejecting God, and we got to, kn- to know that, and God knows that. So, but it's very interesting in this uh, section where the people of Israel, again, have been crying out, give us a king, give us a king, we want to be like everybody else. We want to be like everybody else. We want to fit in. Why? Why do you want to fit in? What's the value of fitting in with your neighbors? They don't have me as, as their God. I, they're not following the law. You are. And the Israel doesn't understand it. They just want to be like everybody else. We want a big, hulking, fancying, beautiful king. And I make those references to that because I think Scott talked about it last week in his reference to saying that he is he looks similar to Saul, uh, and although that's arguable. Um, he doesn't have glasses, so there's, that's a pro for him. Uh, but the, the truth of the matter is, is that they just want to fit in. But there's a warning at the end of this. If you want to fit in, careful. You're going to feel what it's like to be reigned over. You're going to feel what it's like to actually have a king take from you. And the people don't understand that. And it's, it's quite clear they don't understand that. But what's, what's also very interesting about this particular chapter is God's listening. The people of Israel were crying out, give us a king, give us a king. Samuel didn't want to do it. God told Samuel to do it. He's going to anoint a king. We're going to find that out in chapter 10. It's going to go into great detail, uh, which I'm not going to go into in, 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 in beyond that. Uh, but they called out for a king, even though they didn't need one, and God was saying, you don't need one. Um, but God listened, and he answered their prayers in spite of themselves. How often are we, I think it's a, I think it's a good thing, because how often are we 
rejecting God and he still loves us and he still accepts us? How often are we choosing our own path in, that may not be in, in line with what he wants us to do and he still answers our prayers? You know, even if you, even if, even me as God, not me as God as God, looking down going, this is really not something you want. But if you really, really want it, I'm going to go ahead and give it, give it to you. And you're going to come back to me. And when you come back to me, I'll, I'll be here with open arms to accept you back, as he always does with the people of Israel. Uh, and time and time again, as we march through the Old Testament into the New Testament, uh, we, see the, we see people that are good representations of us rejecting God and God always saying, no, when you come back with open arms, you can, I, I will bring you back with open arms. Uh, I know one more point. I think that's it. Okay, that, yeah, so when we look at this portion here, we have Samuel hearing God, accepting that he hears God. God hearing the people, accepting that they want to have a king and, and telling Samuel to go do this. And then here even in, you know, verses four through nine, we're seeing Samuel accepting that God, this is God's charter for him to do. He's to go, anoint, go find and anoint a king. It is, and it is not that, it's what Samuel wants. It's what God wants. It's not that it's what Samuel wants. It's what the people of Israel want. And it's the fact that God is going to go ahead and give them what they want. But we don't leave this section without God telling Samuel, give them, give them a warning. Be careful what you ask for, my friends. You might, just might get it. And that's what they're going to get. And uh, reading ahead, and I'm going to jump ahead real quick without jumping into the verses just because I can cheat. I've actually read all of Samuel. Um, Saul's a good guy. I couldn't be more sarcastic about that. Uh, so they get what they asked for. Do you want the king? You get a king. You want a big, beautiful, hulking guy to be a king? You got him. Enjoy that. Uh, so let's, uh, let's move on to my next excerpt. Uh, the next guy on the scene, next, ne- next one of our three is, are we, uh, you got First Samuel. Up. Oh, I don't know. Oh, there we go. We got it. Okay, yes, there's Craig. This is 1 Samuel 9, verses 18 through 21, and we get, our, um, we, get, we, get, we get Saul. So, then Saul approached Samuel in the gate and said, tell me, where is the house of the seer? I'm going to stop for just a second. Where's the house of the seer? I got tripped up over this when I read it the first time. Because when I read the word seer, I think of um, uh, a psychic. You know, and uh, anyway, the, the, and I, I had to research it. So seer means um, uh, prophet. It's the same thing. So when they're saying the seer, they're talking to prophet Samuel. Obviously, we know that he's looking for Samuel. But seer, seer means prophet. And I got tripped up over seer. I had to research it. So I figured if I had to research it, somebody else might not know what seer means. So I thought I'd share that with you. So seer means prophet. So where is where's the seer? Samuel answered Saul, I am the seer. Go up. I'm sorry, go up before me to the, to the high place, for today you shall eat with me, and in the, in the morning, um, in the morning, I will let you go and will tell you all that is in your mind. As for your donkeys that were lost for, uh, three days, three days ago, do not set your mind on them, for they have been found. And for, and for whom is this all that is desired in, in Israel? Is this not for you and for all of your father's house? Saul answered, 
I am not a ben, am I not a Benjamite from the least of the of the tribes of Israel? And is not my clan the humblest in all of the clans of of the tribe of, of Benjamin? Why then have you spoken to me in this way? I read this, uh, I get, I may, you know, uh, I, I got a lot of interesting things out of this. First off, you know, 20 and 21, you have, um, uh, he knows he's going to be king. I, 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 I've got to believe that at this point in time, it's known that Samuel's out looking to anoint somebody to become king. And Saul's got to know, because Samuel came up and talked to him. Hey, come up with me to the high places, and, and we're going to have the, the we're going to have the fatted calf, or we're going to have the good a good a good meal together, the best of the best. And he's being kind of coy. Okay, but I'm the, the least, you know, I'm of, I'm the lowest. You can't possibly want me. And it, well, that's a pattern that proceeds as we get into chapter ten. But ultimately, the, um, he he uh, sheds that belief of himself as we get through his reign as king. He certainly does, definitely believes he's not of the least anymore, and he definitely believes he should be king over Israel. And again, Israel gets what they asked for. Uh, but I, you know, you've got to, I've got to believe that Saul knew why he was being tapped. Uh, the other thing that Saul is, and Saul's kind of a knucklehead. He has knucklehead behaviors in 10, and I'll let Scott go into that. But in this particular case, these knucklehead behaviors in chapter 9 are kind of what Scott talked about last week. It's the stinking donkeys. It's getting obsessed with where's, where's my father's donkeys. Uh, I can't move forward if I don't have my father's donkeys. I got to go see a seer to tell me where the donkeys are. What's, what's the donkeys, dude? You're here to be uh, potentially be anointed to be a king, and you know it. You're, you're being coy about it. Um, I, I just think that it's a play, play between the two of these guys. Uh, but again, Saul and the donkeys and, getting, and sweating the small stuff, allowing things to stumble him stumble him from doing what he's called to do. So we have Samuel hearing the word of God taking action. We have Israel talking to God and God taking action. And now we have Saul, right, accepting, coming to accept the terms that he's actually going to be moving in a new direction, accept the terms that the donkeys are not important. What is important is this anointing that's coming in the near future. Now, he doesn't know it's an anointing. He's not being called an anointing right here. We just know it is. We get to chapter 10. Again, like I said, I'd read ahead. Um, I also am not preaching on it, although technically I am. Um, Saul does get anointed. The spoiler alert, Saul's, Saul's the king. So he, yeah, he, yeah, he gets anointed in chapter 10. But it's, uh, it's very interesting that you know, Saul's, Saul's reluctance to accept, at least the way it's played out here, the fact that he is going to be in that path uh, of being the potential first king or the first king of Israel. So Samuel hearing God, God hearing, hearing man, and then you know, Saul uh, getting all very confused about donkeys and sweating the small stuff. So that's kind of, those are my three key players on the scene. There, there are no second service de- extras because there's no second service. Besides, I think Scott actually has a, 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 a patent, ri- patent rights on the word second service extras. So um, th- I wanted to quickly summarize where we've been. You know, we've we, we got Samuel on the scene, we got Israel has been on the scene, and we've got Saul coming onto the scene as we set the stage for what's going to happen ultimately in chapter 10, and the first king of Israel shows up and he's on the scene. So again, it's all about how these three entities accept their position in this story as it materializes in chapter 10. Obviously, Samuel calling a God, God, God hearing the people of Israel, and then of course Saul accepting that he's going to be king. So I've got fill-ins. Um, so let's kind of go over some of the fill-ins. First fill-in. Um, 
Be, uh, be ready to hear God calling. Are we ready to hear God calling? I, I, in thinking about this and Samuel hearing from God directly, I was uh, remembering a, a conversation I've had with a couple of different pe- people around prayer specifically. And this one, this is years ago, we talked about it was a, it was a religious leader uh, of some renown, and he was on a Larry King-like talk show. And they were talking, the King, Larry King host was talking to him about, you. do you talk to God? And the, the man said, yes, I do talk to God. And the host says, well, what, what does that happen? I mean, do you, do you have a conversation with him? Does he say, hey, hey, Paul, what are you up to? How, how, how's, how's Saturday on? He says, no, 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 it's not like that. It's a lot more detailed than that. It's a lot more filling than that. When God talks to me, he hits me in all of my points, not just a conversational, how are you doing? But he hits me on, on an emotional and a, and a physical level of God talking to me. And I, that, that story has stuck with me for a long time in the sense that when I have had a, an opportunity to pray, I, I, I feel a, a lightness in my chest. I pray, I feel like I'm, I'm communicating with God. I've had this in my, in my life. It doesn't make me super religious. Just because I'm the lead elder doesn't mean I get, get the rights on doing this. If you get that, then fantastic. Uh, mine just happens to be a lightness on my chest. And I was sharing this with a Greek Orthodox friend of mine. And I said, you know, this, you know when I pray, this happens. Does, does that sound crazy? And he starts to smile. And I said, what's so funny? He says, you know, for me, it's a heat on my shoulders. I said, wow. So I'm not alone. So God's there. God's talking back. God's speaking to me. This is really pretty cool. So I, I you know, I have an opportunity to, to feel that. You know, like his is a, is, is a warmth on his shoulders. Mine is a, is a lightness in my chest. And it's, it's a realness. It's a really, I feel it's a real strong connection with me and God. Now, let's go to the second feeling. God is always listening and ready to act. So as we look at my second ex- excerpt, as we go through... Um, First Samuel chapter eight. First Samuel chapter eight. You see where um, God is willing to act. The people were screaming out to God, "Give us a king! Give us a king!" No, no, no. Ultimately, God hears their requests, and through Samuel, is going to be giving them a king. But it came with a caveat: be careful what you ask for. Because he's going to come to reign over you. The conclusion of, of, of my reading is he's, Samuel remind, the, remind these people he's going to reign over them. And that's not going to be a pleasant experience. He doesn't say reign over them as it's going to be a good time. The reign over them is going to be a, a not very pleasant experience. So be careful what you ask for because God's listening. And he might just give it to you. And, and I was thinking about what's a good example in the, uh, the Mackin, my Mackin household um, of that happening to us. And, I, and I, I have permission to use this story. It's my wife. Um, she's not here today. She's feeling a little ill. But uh, I, did, I did run it by her, and she says, okay, I can share this story. And when we first got married, she had a job that she absolutely hated. And so she, we, we were praying for any other job. And another corporate job popped up. Now, I'm going to put, put a pen in that for right now. All along, since the day I met my wife until that very day when we prayed for a new job, she wanted to be a teacher. She wanted to be a teacher so bad she thought she could be a fantastic teacher, and I think she is a fantastic teacher. I'll get to that in a second. But she was afraid to take the sea best. She was afraid to find out if she could do it. She was afraid that she was going to fail. So rather than go pursue what she's going to be ultimately very good at, she said, Lord, put me in another higher-paying job. I can do that in the corporate world. Now, she gets the job. 
God answers her prayer. Are you sure you want it? Be careful what you ask for. She hated the job. And about a month, month and a half before she ultimately got let go from that position, uh, the position was so bad that she said, to heck with it, I'm going to take the sea best. She went and took the sea best and she passed. She gets let go from the position and then she, she, then she goes and becomes a substitute teacher. And I will never forget the first day she came home from being a substitute teacher, having wrote the name Mrs. Mackin on the board. She said, this is where I'm supposed to be. This is the job I was supposed to have. I love this job. That then culminated us taking out some loans, putting her back into school. So she got her teacher's credential and she got a master's in education. And now she is the best fourth grade teacher in the state of California. And she's happy, and she's happy, and she's doing what God called her to do. So if we, he did answer prayers, but, you know, we had to go through the wilderness to get there. But she did, he did answer prayers. Okay, the third fill-in for me. Stay focused and forget the donkeys. Scott talked a lot about the donkeys last week. I know this. Uh, I listened to it quite a bit. Uh, anyway, the donkeys are a distraction. The donkeys are the small stuff. And we often sweat the small stuff. Here, Saul's sweating small stuff. Oh, I'm worried about my donkeys. And there's other narratives going on in this communication between Saul and Solomon, uh, Saul and, and, and uh, Samuel. But these donkeys are at play, and these donkeys are a distraction, and these donkeys represent the small stuff. In my personal life, I let the small stuff control me too much, so much so that um, I wanted, I think there was a part of me that really wanted to go on a Mexico missions trip. And I had reasons out of my reasons out of my reasons why I shouldn't go. Well, I, you know, I'm not physically capable of doing it. Um, I don't have uh, I don't have the gifts required to be around the people. You know, I, I'll be an embarrassment to Rock Bible when I'm down there. I'll be a, I'll be a burden to everybody that's around. But Scott kept saying you must go, and Jan Ash kept saying you must go, and Megan Ash said you must go, and I said you know what? If these three people are saying I must go over and over and over again, I I guess I got to go. So I went. And I went on the Mexico missions trip. And everything that I thought was going to be um, a justified reason why I shouldn't be there was not justified. I got an amazing amount of fulfillment on going on this trip. I got an opportunity to forget about the donkeys and go actually do this missions trip. And if you've not been to with Rock Bible Church on a Mex- Mexico missions trip, I recommend highly that you do it. It's an amazing experience. Um, more to the point because they're not up there. The adult trip was even better <laughs> because we had just adults and we did adult things. Any, anyway, I digress. It was a great, it was a great and a wonderful experience. And through um, great people, Scott, and the, that, the group of folks, Barb was there and she got a chance to make fun of me. Um, we got a chance to make fun of Barb. But we'll go there another time. You'll have to stop me in the hallway. Uh, it has to do with 15 minutes. Uh, anyway, the... Uh, yeah, um, the, the experience was amazing, and it was fulfilling. And I, by not focusing on the donkeys, by thinking that I have resources to help me get this get to accomplish this, I accepted that I could bring something of value to the folks there in Mexico. I accepted that, that my donkeys were not a reason for me not to be a strong participant in this, in this, uh, in this mission. So we got three players heading into 1 Samuel chapter 10 to ultimately culminate in the creation of a king, the first king for Israel. 
We've got, but the key things is, are we accepting what God's saying? Is God accepting what we're saying? And are we not letting the small stuff get in the way of us accomplishing our task? So, you know, pray, I pray that that, that that goes well for you. I pray that in your daily life you hear God and that the donkeys don't get in the way. So let's pray real quick. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this wonderful opportunity to look back at 1 Samuel and look back at some of the three key players as the people of Israel proceed towards getting their king and how these three players bring a different strength to this equation and how it's key about the us accepting you're talking to us, you accepting us as participants in your kingdom and making sure that we don't let things get in the way of accomplishing your tasks. In your name I pray, amen. Okay. Well, I've had a lot of fun getting a chance to talk to you guys today. I hope you had a good time too. Um, Scott will be back next week. He'll go over Samuel 10 with us. And may you go out this week and experience God's calling and take action. Amen.